Hello and welcome from wherever you are to the place you want to be. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I am your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 68. I am in the squeaky chair. Hear the squeaks? Don't worry. That just means you're in the right place. Our mission this week, just like each and every week, is to find the five best comics from DC Comics. It's not an easy task, but it's a relentless one. And if you like persistence, you're in the right place. I like persistence, which is why I'm happy to kick off this episode with The Green Lantern, Season 2, Issue Number 6. This brings us yet another chapter in the unyielding saga of Grant Morrison. Amazing writing and the masterful art of Liam Sharp, combined with great colors by Steve Olaf, letters by Steve Wands, original cover by Liam Sharp and Laura Martin, as well as a variant cover by Tony S. Daniel and Tomu Mori. If you like great art, you're going to want both of these covers. Now, that sound in the background, that could be vehicles racing to get their copies. It could be a plane flying overhead. It could be the fact that I've got all the windows open because it's already over 75 degrees at quite an early time in the morning, and it could possibly break 100. Thanks for sweating it out with me. I appreciate you. Let's continue appreciating this amazing book and this story, Assault on Sector General. Did you know there were hospitals in space? I mean, I've seen enough sci-fi shows to be aware of the concept, but we arrive at a station dedicated to saving life. And it's here that Hal Jordan has been brought after the events of last issue. He's not in the best of shape. He's a little banged up and a little punchy, but he's getting the best care from a very talented, inquisitive, and interested nurse named Olakwa. But he's also got a roommate who's something akin to a cowardly lion. How does this come into play? Well, not only is the rest of the Green Lanterns who thought they could be there to look after Hal and make sure he's safe, are actually becoming cannon fodder for the arrival of Hal's nemesis, the anti-matter version of Hal Jordan. It's a great story overall. The art is phenomenal. Liam Sharp's facial expressions are brilliant, whether they're being used to show Hal's emotions or the emotions of the aliens around him. Storytelling-wise, there's this great moment where we see a lantern who has been killed and its ring is about to be reassigned to its mission to find a suitable replacement, to which Hal then overrides the ring, reconfigures it to his personality, but then learns <laughs> that asking for something as simple as a hand construct is more complex when the ring that he's dealing with was... Uh, specialized in extremely elaborate constructs and had paired perfectly with a Green Lantern who knew how to use them. Let's just say that when the hand actually does arrive, it's more artfully detailed than most of the hands that Hal Jordan has conjured up in the past. There is, of course, a great face-off between Hal and his nemesis, but we also find out that there's more than one 
antimatter version of a Green Lantern on the sea. Thankfully, some surprise heroics, as well as some interesting discoveries, give us the opportunity to see a powerful <laughs> uh, display of raw, creative fighting. And through it, there are some really interesting consequences that end up bringing us to the end of this issue with a bit of a question, not quite a riddle, but certainly a possibility for all the things that might be on the way. This was a five out of five book. This was a masterful way for us to kick off episode number 68 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Sometimes it just gets a little bit too noisy, and I gotta retreat to a quieter, more inner sanctum. Fear not, Squeaky Chair is still here with me. We are ready to pick up with my second choice here on episode number 68 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. For that one, I went with Dark Knight's Death Metal, number three. You ever get that feeling in a story when either you or the person telling the story just doesn't seem to worry too much about all the things that are going on, whether it's that train you just heard in the background or any other sort of development. I feel with this one that there's this amazing devil may care, uh, run for the hills, give it all you've got uh, <laughs> experience here. You know, Scott Snyder's been doing some really amazing stuff in his career with DC. It's unfortunate to know that he's going to be stepping away at some point, but then it also makes sense that he would, you know, have to have a life and one in which he has to, like, take care of things. But, boy, what he's been doing, what he's done with metal, now with death metal, and where he takes us is an amazing <laughs> an amazing adventure that pulls together so many of the great elements that I've loved in his work in Batman, Justice League, and wow, just so many great projects. It, it's a lot of fun to see him just letting loose in this issue. It's got everything from an assault on Apocalypse, uh, you know, the gun used in Final Crisis, a discovery that there's more to Batman than he's been telling Wonder Woman, but Clark knows. Uh, Clark, who, man, seems to always be more prepared than you expect, and yet I never get over that long-haired vision of him with the uh, twisted right arm holding that metallic brace, and also just this, <laughs> this wonder as we get to have this great escape and then uh, a segue into a very childlike fifth dimension where Lobo is just wreaking havoc. And every page is bringing to you another development, where whether it's about the Batman who laughs becoming the uh, Dr. Manhattan, Batman who laughs, Batman who Dr. Manhattans. We, I haven't settled on the name I'm using. I'm sure the books probably have. But along the way... Um, we get a return of some wonderfully familiar characters like Jaro. And in the midst of it is the seeds of a plot because there's villains still around. They're still, you know, putting together their own plots 
and goals. And through that, we have a chance to sort of discover just what might also be running parallel to this main storyline thread and could make an appearance in the not-so-distant future. Um, it's a wild ride. It's a roller coaster. You essentially um, belt in and hold on, knowing that each twist and turn just rockets you through to the next one. And even if there's a pause, it's just a build-up for the next big plunge. This is one of those phenomenal books that um, it really takes from so many places, from history, from stories told about the future, all of the elements that have sort of made up the mythos and mythology of these characters. And then it just twists them, bends them, pulls them, asks more of them, and in the doing so, provides us with a chance to experience a really great story. Scott Snyder, top of his game, amazing art by uh, Greg Capullo, uh, wonderful support here uh, by Clapion, Placencia. Um, it, it's, it's an amazing... It's an amazing project. The uh, original cover is gorgeous. There's variants out there to delight the soul. I highly recommend. I'm just going to say that if you're looking for just a wild adventure ride, this is a story about a time that when and how it existed is impossible to decipher at the moment. But part of unraveling that is the joy and the discovery and you get more of the Robin King, you get the JSA, you get a lot of great speedsters. And because of that, this was a really fun book for me to recommend for my second choice here on the Spinner Rack. That brings us, of course, to the knowledge that that five out of five book brings us to a pause point. We're going to take a quick ad break, check in with the DC Comics News studio home office and let you know all the things that are going on around here and then we'll come back where we can touch down with my third fourth and fifth choices hi everyone i'm here to tell you about the dc comics news podcast here every week to talk everything dc movies tv comics and everything in between but don't just take my word for it here are a couple of our sponsors Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um... Can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came 
the spinner rack and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff i just mentioned i am the knight a story about the stories a show celebrating batman the animated series week by week episode by episode just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogur. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. In storytelling, there are a few things as amazing and powerful as a long, slow burn. The unraveling of a mystery that leads to a shocking, startling, or otherwise unpredicted discovery. Wonder Woman 760 is accomplishing that and more, and it's doing so with a power and a sense of presence that, man, it's, it's wonderful to see when artists and creators are sort of looking at what they're doing and they have this great depth of awareness in their pursuit. And that awareness can really bring about some of the best elements that we love in comics. Now, this story is written by Mariko Tamaki, who has done some masterful work and really created a great introduction to her run on Wonder Woman recently. She's joined by Mikkel Yannan on art, with Jordi Belair providing the colors, Pat Brousseau with the letters, David Marquez with the original cover, and Joshua Middleton with the variant cover. Of all the things in this issue, I wasn't the biggest fan of the variant cover. It's a little, uh, the skirt's a little short. It seems, Diana to me has always been a very powerful figure, and here she's a little bit slim, kind of like a model, um, which doesn't always fit that that warrior perception in my mind. So of my only detractions from this book, it would have to be that the variant cover just made me think, wow, um, beautiful, but also not really the, the fierce, powerful, graceful warrior I've come to know, love, and respect. So we open this issue up on Strikers Island, where when last issue ended, Diana was facing off with Maxwell Lord and a slew of prisoners who appeared to be under an influence. There's actually been a slew of stories in which people under an influence have done and committed actions that they believed were something entirely different. Their mind's eye telling them that they were doing one thing 
while the real world around them was experiencing something completely different, usually violent, usually something that was placing lives in danger, and um, also just created a sense of fear that if it was understood the depths of what's going on would probably lead to panic. Now, Diane is facing off with Maxwell Lord, someone who she has faced off with and sometimes has been the ultimate victor. And yet that's not something she's trying to do right now, but she is trying to uncover a mystery, one in which the data all seems to point to Maxwell Lord being the most likely culprit. He is a master of manipulation. It's something he's used in the past. It's something that she has witnessed him use on Superman among other heroes, and it led to their previous very deadly, violent confrontation. Now, Diana's also a little bit out of sorts as she's adjusting to a new place to live, um, a new apartment, the fact that she's got neighbors who don't mind popping in, um, <laughs> and yet around her are these events that are still continuing to play out, in which people do not appear to be in control of themselves. Now, where it gets difficult is when she's attacked in the middle of the night, and in the attempt to fight back, she's faced with the possibility that she too has been under an influence that made her act the way she did. She goes from an unconscious state to a conscious state into a world that appears to be one of threats and violence, only to discover that the threat and violence is coming from her. It's like that thing where maybe you went out, you had a little bit too much fun, and then the next day people tell you things that you did, and you're not quite sure you remember it that way, because to you it appeared one way, and to others it appeared another. What this means exactly is something that we'll have to discover as the chapters play out, because clearly when it comes to Diana, she is now experiencing the very thing she's been investigating. And it's going to not only challenge her attempts to continue investigating, but it's also going to create degrees of uncertainty in her mind about what she's seeing, if it's real, can she trust herself and her own senses? And I think this is gonna be a really important story in the foundation of uh, Mariko Tamaki's run, I really feel that she's going to use this to sort of establish uh, the foundations, the um, pillars that have defined Diana and how Diana can lean on those now during a time in which she's having a difficult uh, experience trusting her own memories. Great five out of five book. My pleasure to share with you and something I'm really happy to include here. On this episode of the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. With that, let's go ahead and move away from one five out of five book and into our fourth choice. Now, with no uh, attempts at false modernity, with an unabashed, unashamed uh, excitement in my voice, I love this next book, Flash number 759. Joshua Williamson has really impressed me with his work. I'm going to miss uh, his storytelling when it comes to The Flash it, as he transitions out and a new team comes on because it's stories like this that have really made me enjoy what he has done with one of my favorite DC comic characters, probably my top favorite. Uh, 
you you know our good friend Mr. Steve J. Ray and I am the night, he will on many occasions point out that I might possibly be among the DC Comics news staff, uh, one of, if not the top fash fan. He's just that guy for me. And when his story is told with the uh, passion, heart, and degree of understanding that this character deserves, what you get are beautiful stories like this. Um, We've got a bit of a superior Spider-Man thing going on in which the reverse Flash has taken over the Flash's identity, kicked him into a place that he thinks is the speed force, but is something actually different. It's a force, but not quite the speed force. And because it's outside of normal 3D perception, he's still struggling to understand just what's happening around him. In the meantime, Reverse Flash is having the time of his life, being the Flash, doing everything he can to outshine and prove that he actually should have been the Flash in the first place and how he can do the job so much better than Barry, which has always been his best argument. We actually have a bit of a creepy moment when he starts befriending young Impulse, Bart Allen, and it's unclear, especially throughout the pages, if there's a malicious intent, if he's setting Bart up for some violent tragedy. But we're ripped away to uh, where Barry is struggling to understand the world around him. And yet, that struggle, when it's all said and done, leads to this wonderful discovery and return of two characters that I absolutely adore. And I'm not going to spoil this for you. In fact, uh, I'll leave it until the next time this book arrives to mention who makes an appearance. This is your discovery. This is a a great moment that if you're a fan of Flash history, the Flash family, the return of these characters is something to celebrate. But I'm not going to take away that moment for you. Instead, I'm kept on track by the fact that while posing as Barry Allen, Reverse Flash has also gathered together rogues from various time periods and enlisted them to take out different parts of Central City in a series of coordinated attacks. Now, even though Reverse Flash thinks he has all of these things in place, he's not the same person as Barry Allen, his demeanor, his attitude. He can't create the same sort of support that Barry did. And it's something that's picked up on by Bart. And that even this sort of uncertainty is something that the rogues he's collected are struggling with because they don't really feel like they have as much of a place in this mission and are basically being just kept on the side. Uh, Barry is fighting to break through. And there's a great moment where things start to unravel a bit for Reverse Flash when Bart makes an appearance and points out that Barry's never mean. And if there's one thing that he experienced right now, it was reverse flash being mean. That's not something that's going to work for anyone, for either of them. And because of that, we begin to see just how it is that the Flash family is going to fight back. Now, I mentioned that we had some earlier appearances. Well, there's one more as a nice, great, big surprise at the end of this issue. 
I'm going to let you discover it, but I'm also curious to hear if you agree with me that it's one of the great reasons why this book gets a 5 out of 5. Now for my fifth and final choice, I decided to go with Hawkman, number 26. Writer Robert Venditti has done such an amazing job with this character and his history. All of the many pieces that make it so important, all of the lives that he's lived, but most importantly, his relationship with Hawkwoman, Shire, and all the many times that their love has crossed time, space, dimensions, and the history that has been created now, one in which Carter has been living to atone for a series of great calamity and death that he caused in his first life, and how in each reincarnation he has sought to save as many lives as he once took. This decision has brought him to a place where he now faces off with the Lord and Master he once served, the Lord Beyond the Void. Amazing pencils by Fernando Pissarin capture this great story. Inks by Eau Claire Albert and Wade von Grabadger make for a really uh, powerful and sharply detailed experience. Colors by Jeremy Cox are gorgeous, luscious, and they're... Uh, the words are given an amazing life with the letters by Rob Lay. The original cover by Mikhail Yannin is really powerful, and a variant cover by Sebastian Fiumara gives a rugged, gritty texture to perhaps one of the most rugged characters in DC Comics. In a story that is the conclusion of the death of a thousand hawks, both Carter and Shire have been captured, held prisoner by the Lord beyond the void. He is stealing the lives that they have developed, created, and the life energy they each possess from all those many lives that they have lived. And he is now using it to power his escape from the imprisonment that he has faced ever since Carter first betrayed him during Carter's first life, when he was Qatar. At first, the punishment, the suffering, is almost unbearable, and yet it leads to a discovery by Carter and Shayara, which is that if they could only find a way to use this power to help them, they might have a chance of escaping. Which is why the decision is eventually made to go ahead and give the Lord Beyond the Void exactly what he wants. This leads to his destruction and an opportunity for all of the lives that have been imprisoned to be freed. Of course, there's also a heart-wrenching discovery by Adam Strange and the Adam when they discover what appears to be the two lifeless bodies of Carter and Shire. Now, because they have lived so many lives, this is not the end of their story. And in fact, they are given an opportunity to make a choice that can either grant them both immortality and eternity in a paradise, or to become mortal one last time together and discover whatever that final journey might have to offer. The revelation of not only their decision, but where it lands them, is a discovery that I simply cannot take away from you. It's a spoiler that is simply 
too good to spoil. For that reason, I encourage you to pick up Hawkman number 26. See the wonderful course Robert Venditti has taken this great series on, what he's done with these characters, and most importantly, what he is setting up to be their potential next run. Those planes in the distance let me know that we are closer to our departure from this episode. With this being my fifth and final book, that actually brings episode number 68, the DC Comics new spinner rack, to a close. I've been your host, Seth Singleton, and I really appreciate you joining me today from wherever you are. It's been a little hot out here. If you're facing inclement weather wherever you are, whether it's the hurricanes or the heat, I highly encourage you to stay safe, stay well, and to come back when you get the chance right back here to the spinner rack next week and every week after to hear my picks and maybe tell me about yours. If you ever want to leave a message for those of us here at DC Comics News, we do our best to make it easy for you. Whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, or any other platform you might see us or just want to talk about us, all you have to do is use the at symbol DC Comics News, that's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. And when you do, you'll make sure that we've got your message. If you want to make sure that you never miss out, of course, I highly encourage you to subscribe now to the DC Comics News Podcast Network. When you do, you guarantee that you will get great content. Like, say this, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. You'll also get a chance to catch each and every upcoming episode of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, a weekly breakdown of the movie, television, streaming, comic, and other news coming your way from DC Comics. In addition, you'll get the chance to also enjoy original programming, great content like I Am the Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray. Uh... You'll catch more episodes of The Spinner Rack and, of course, never miss out. And if you're in for a bit of laughter with a little bit more of an adult theme, you won't want to miss out on every episode of Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. An episode-by-episode, well, celebration of the wonderful adults-only Harley Quinn television show from DC Universe. It's a great opportunity to hang out with the same co-hosts from the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast as we all sort of let down our hair, take off the uh, quiet and polite, and let loose, have a little bit of fun talking about one of our favorite characters in our favorite show. Catch this and all the great content, not only current, but soon to be coming from DC Comics News by subscribing. We're on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and so many others. In fact, we'd love to hear what platform you're listening on. Just share it with us. And when you do, don't forget that at DC Comics News tag. As for me, I'm Seth Singleton. I've had a pleasure being your host this episode, like every episode. And if you want to reach out to me specifically and leave me a message, you can find me on Twitter as one more singleton. On Instagram is Seth the Writer, or you can check out my dogs, Bruno and Fiji, who are quite adorable and definitely more attractive than I am. Also, if you want, just type my name, Seth 
singleton into a search engine and tell me what you find, where you find me, and maybe we can enjoy a great conversation. With that, this brings our episode to a close. And as we always like to say, as a final sign off, whatever you do, read more comics. Thanks so much, folks. Can't wait to hang out with you next week.